This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Steve Valaket will stop by. We'll talk about the Rangers, the Rangers, dropping a tough one last night to the San Jose Sharks. We'll also talk plenty about clear sight analytics and goaltenders. If you've heard Valley on here with me before, you know it's a, a full value conversation. Um, Want to open up by offering congratulations to our friend and colleague, Harna Ryan Singh. Uh, who received an honorary Doctor of Laws from Mount Royal University. He is the first South Asian Punjabi or Sikh to receive this honor. He graduated uh, from Mount Royal in 2004 with a broadcasting diploma. Uh, we're all proud to call Harna Ryan uh, a call, not just a colleague, uh, but also a friend as well. And if you're watching on 360, I've got the book over my left shoulder. It's an excellent read. His story is a fantastic one. Everybody has a challenge getting to where they are in this industry. But this guy jumped over hurdles like nobody else in the business. Harna Ryan, if you're listening, congrats. With that, we bring in from 32 Thoughts Hockey Night in Canada and the NHL on Sportsnet, Elliot Friedman. How are you today, Freach? I'm good, Merrick. How are you doing, bud? Uh, I'm doing well. Just offering congratulations uh, to see, Harna Ryan Singh if you want to the... join the chorus. Of course. I mean, it's an incredible honor. I mean, I know this. I'm not going to get offered any... Uh, any honorary degrees anywhere, so I'm, I'm I'm impressed by those who do. Congratulations, Darn Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was talking about siblings off the top, and I don't know if you have a favorite, you know, uh, sibling pair that you, you think of in the NHL. But right now, are you at a dirt bike track? Where are you right now? No, I'm I'm actually walking, and somebody is speeding down one of the uh, side streets driving a little quickly. I think he just blew through a stop sign. Too. Mm. That's not the, uh, the Elliot Friedman moped. You don't look like you're on the cover of Quadrophenia circa like 1967 <laughs> or something like that. You really have these young hip references that appeal to the youthful generation, Jeff. Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> That's me, <laughs> Elliot. Fellow kids, fellow kids. Um, what did you make of the Robertsons last night? I want to get to the interview. I played a little bit of it off the top here, but what did you make of Nick Robertson last night with, with the two goals? Those are the big heroics. Look, I, I thought what happened to him at the beginning of the season was too bad. Um, I, I'm a big believer in if you make a team, you make a team. And I understand that the world isn't always sunshine, unicorns, and rainbows. And sometimes decisions are made not because of what... It's like the old line from Unforgiven. Deserves got nothing to do with it, right? Uh, Nick Robertson mm -hmm. deserved to make the team at the start of the year because of the cap and number situation. He didn't make it. Uh, he could have sulked. He could have pouted. But at some point in time, he was going to get the opportunity. And... You know, one of the things that we talked about last night was the Toronto Maple Leafs have to hope that Nick Robertson is the answer to who is going to play with Tavares and Nylander. And he got a chance last night mm -hmm. to show that he was that person. And when you get that opportunity, it's on you on whether or not you deliver. And last night that kid delivered. And I know a lot of people are going to talk about the goals and the goals were spectacular. But I still think the play of the night was the defensive play right before the winner, Jamie Ben's song. Yeah. He said, I am going to pick this forward apart. And it looked like for a second he was going to, but Robertson timed his move perfectly and made not only to score the game-winning goal, but he made the defensive play of the game. And uh, that's what you got to do when you're given this opportunity. 
You know, there is a, uh, I want to ask you about Jason Robertson here. You know, there's a, there's a really old joke about a guy that goes to a job interview and the interviewer says, what do you think your worst quality is? And the guy says, well, my worst pro- uh, quality is, uh, probably is that I can't lie. Like, it's, it's, it's impossible for me to tell a lie. I always feel compelled to tell the truth. It's, it's something that's always been with me. I've always been like this. And the interviewer stops him and says, well, hang on. I don't think that's a negative quality. I think that's a quality we'd, we'd appreciate here at this company. I'm, I'm really intrigued and pleased that you would say that. And the guy turns around and says, really, I don't really give an F what you think. I get the sense, Elliot, I get the sense that talking to Jason Robertson, I just mentioned the the podcast just dropped so people can listen to it and let me know what they think. I get the sense that Jason Robertson, I think it's impossible for him to tell a lie. Like I'm interviewing him with you the other day and watching the clip last night and listening to the clips on the, uh, on the podcast today. And I'm saying to myself, you don't hear people speak this honestly, not just in hockey, but really anywhere about anything. I feel that he, along with his brother, may turn out to be one of the more intriguing brother duos in the league. And there's some good ones. The Hughes and the Kachucks come to mind right away, of course. But I'm really intrigued by both these guys. What do you think of Jason Robertson? And do you think he's incapable of telling a lie? Well, I sure hope so, because I don't want anyone to think that the, the podcast was full of lies today. Usually we leave that to you and me. Uh, I thought he was really yeah. good. I mean, I mean, the first thing is, is that you always appreciate somebody who, so it's Dallas's one trip into Toronto every year. And, and we know yeah. like his family was here, his brother's here. Uh, he had a lot of reasons not to do the interview. And the other thing, too, is they landed like five o'clock and anyone who knows downtown Toronto, you know, the traffic coming in from the airport to downtown at that time. It's it's not exactly a fun drive. It's slow and it's annoying because yep. you get so close and you just can't move. And you know, like I said, he had every reason not to do that. And he gave us a ton of time and, and he was very gracious. And uh, but the one thing is, I, I do agree. There's some bluntness there. He's 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 a pretty honest oh, yeah. kid. Uh, and I, I like that about him. I, there, there's sometimes you do interviews and, and you're thinking, what exactly did we just get here? And I didn't have that feeling with him. I, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, we spent a lot of time parking on the uh, on the Maple Leafs and the Dallas Stars and uh, Vancouver as well, and they lose another one, a tough one against the Minnesota Wild, who pick up their first win. We talked a lot about it on the podcast, but for those listening live, uh, your thoughts on what Vancouver is going through right now as you know, the home opener is Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada, against the Buffalo Sabres, who don't look now, but seem to be one of the hottest teams in the NHL, and Eric Comrie is stopping all the pucks. The Alberta champion, Buffalo Sabres. Yes, they, they won back-to-back Correct. there against the Oilers and, and the Flames. The, the thing, too, is that if you're Vancouver, look, they had an awful road trip, and you, you, you hope you're coming home and you can settle yourself down, you can sleep in your own bed and, and maybe relax a little bit. But it's, it's a tough schedule for them in the sense that not only are they playing a hot team in Buffalo, but they're coming from Minnesota. They're only going to have one day off. You know, I, I, I really don't like to overreact early in the season. It's a huge game tomorrow night. I think the other thing here, too, is there's, there's a situation here that you're, I'm kind of looking at and it's starting to go to the forefront 
in in Buffalo or in Vancouver, and that's the one with Jack Rathbone. And you know, one of the you know everybody who's who's followed my kind of fun with him knows I, I feel very strongly about uh, the player as a person. Um, you know, his, his brother's on the spectrum and, and Jack and his brother are very tight and that's very meaningful to me. So sometimes it's, it's, it's hard for me to uh, separate my personal feelings for him and the professional feelings you have to look at here. But, you know, the team's 0-5, they're struggling on the blue line. And he, I, I don't necessarily think he's the answer, uh, I, but I, I think you've got to be looking at this here as an organization and saying, here's a really talented young player that we're, we've got up in the NHL right now and he's not playing. I, I don't think it's helping him to sit. And Bruce Boudreaux has to, has to win a game. And it's not even for Bruce Boudreaux that he has to win a game. I think it's for the team, for the organization, for the fan base. They have to win a game. They, they just, he, it's, it's Boudreaux's job right now to do nothing but ice what he thinks is the best roster to win a hockey game. So I, I don't think that he's making necessarily a huge mistake by not playing Rathbone. But what I think is happening is that is a byproduct of we're desperate and we've got to win a game. You've got this talented young player who needs to play, and he can't play. And this is one of those things that pops up in a season from time to time where there's the difference between we got to win now and we got to develop this talented player who we hope is our big part of the future, and all of a sudden the two things collide, and it's not easy to fit to resolve it. And But you know, talking about this this morning, as a matter of fact, and I, I was just saying, boy, that's that's just another thing the Canucks have that they're looking at right now that they're saying, geez, we don't want to deal with this. And we didn't think we'd have to deal with this. We'll see what happens tomorrow night. Uh, I want to get to the Hockey Night in Canada games here in a couple of moments. I mean, they, first of all, just uh, to Vancouver. I mean, they are like, – we saw Nils Hoaglander scratched last night in that yeah. game against the Minnesota Wild. So it, and they've it, scratched it Garland. If, you know, Boudreaux's yeah. not – they they scratch they scratch Connor Garland and then they put him up with J T Miller, uh, you know the, the the next game right away. Um, it's it's not as if like Boudreaux. I mean, you know Bruce Boudreaux. Geez, we all know Bruce Boudreaux. This is I mean he's been around uh, around hockey forever. He's forgotten more things than than we'll ever know about the game. It's not as if this is this is new to him, um, and he's trying it. But I'm I'm with you on Rathbone. I think that. I don't know that he, he steps in and it's like you just added Chris Pronger to the lineup. But at this point, you have to try as many new things as possible just to come up with a win, just to get that, just to get the round number off the, uh, off the page. You got to get the round I, number off the page. I think what it is, is that is that nobody questions Rathbone's ability to score, and that's not their problem. You know, they can score. It's not like they're losing one games one nothing, three one, two nothing. The problem is that they they can't they, they can't defend as well as they need to. And I, I can see Boudreaux saying, Look, I, I like this kid, but he's not the answer to that. And you know, okay, so let's just assume he's right, because he probably is. It still isn't good for the player or really the organization. I, it's one of those things you get trapped in. And I don't think it's anyone's fault. Like, I don't think it's Boudreaux's fault. I don't think it's Rathbone's fault. But you have to be looking at 
you know, the you have to be looking at the overall situation and saying, geez, like, how, uh, we got to solve this one. And because you don't want, you need the guy playing, you don't want him to be unhappy with the organization. Here's the uh, here's the uh, the thing about Vancouver and trying to, you know, trying to mend the blue line right now. With so many key injuries to big defensemen around the NHL, I mean, Rutherford thought the prices were high and outrageous in the offseason when he wanted to do something with the blue line. I can only imagine what the prices are like now, Elliot. Even from the summer, they must have already gone up. I mean, look what the Florida Panthers uh, are going through. Look at the Toronto Maple Leafs with Jake Muzzin. Like, if you want to significantly help your blue line, it was expensive in the summer. It's more expensive now for each. You know, you look at Toronto. So Toronto's got, you know, the injuries there. And I, and I heard you mention mention Muzzin's name. I don't think I don't think the Maple Leafs and Jake Muzzin are going to be in any hurry to make any announcements here. I, I think they're going to let this play out a little bit, do all the testing that he needs to do, and then kind of figure out a plan. But I I think if you're the Maple Leafs, you have to at least you have to at least prepare for the fact that that he's not going to be back for a long time. And so and if you take a look at, you know, what, what did Toronto do very quietly last week? They brought Danny DeKaiser in a PTO. And DeKaiser, as the Canucks listeners know, was, was there earlier this year. And they freed him without signing him. And, you know, Anthony Stewart was on the show last night, the, the least Dallas show. And, you know, he thinks there's possibly a path. And, and the Kaiser's on, an, uh, on a PTO in the age with the Marlies. And yeah. Ant- Anthony was saying last night, he thinks there's a path potentially for the Kaiser to get an NHL contract, depending on how he plays with the Marlies. And, and also Toronto has to free up some room because they're at the NHL maximum of 50 contracts. And, and I think that just tells you right now, Jeff, as you said, the prices are high. Teams need defense. Like, look at the teams that have extra defensemen. You know, a team like Winnipeg, for example. I can only imagine what they're asking for some of these players right now. And mm-hmm. and, that, sure. and you're looking at teams like Toronto saying, okay, we're going to go this route in the short term because it's probably the best thing we can do right now. Like, last night, I thought Victor Mete who anybody could have had in the offseason and is here on a minimum deal, I thought he he was one of their best players. And you're going to need that from time to time in this league because people get banged up a lot. There's there's no question about it. I think the other thing that's going to happen here too, Jeff, is, and we talked about this briefly on the podcast today, is that, uh, you know, Chikrin's skating again in practice with the Coyotes. And, you know, I... I think Andre Chornier says they're probably a little over a week away. I think that one's I think that one's gonna heat up. I, I, I really do. Um, back to the Kaiser real quickly. Uh, there's a great story that Brian Burke tells about trying to get when he was running the Toronto Maple Leafs, trying to get Danny DeKaiser into the organization. Said he had a great talk with the family. You know, he's uh, you know uh, going to Western Michigan and he's coming out as a free agent and he's interviewing with all these teams and 
Brooke, you said, had a great meeting with the parents. It all sounded awesome. We thought we had him wrapped up and goes to walk him out and they hop in their car and as they're driving away, he sees a Detroit Red Wings sticker uh, on the car and he's like, yeah, we're not we're not getting Danny DeKaiser. He's from Detroit. They got a Detroit Red Wings sticker on the car. They're talking to Detroit. Danny DeKaiser is going to the Detroit Red Wings. Um, I have to tell you, a couple Jeff, of things I have about... heard that story. I have heard that story told by another team. Almost the exact same story. Oh, really? They said they, yes, they they took they took the Kaiser out for dinner, and they said, "How do we get back to the highway from here?" And the Kaiser says, "Follow me, and I'll show you how to get there." And while they're driving, they see on his license plate the Red Wings logo, and they said, we're not getting this guy. So I'm beginning to wonder if one of these is true and it's branched out into several people claiming it's true or if this actually happened in more than one case. We'll follow up with Berkey uh, on this one next time we catch up with him. Um, it wouldn't be a couple like of things. Tampa Bay Lightning, Florida story. Panthers. Yeah. Let's not let the facts get in the way of a good story here. I'm trying to try to entertain people, uh, as a matter of fact. Um Tampa and Florida tonight. Um, Brandon Montour is in. Lucas, Lucas Carlson is out. Sergey yep. Bobrovsky for the Florida Panthers. We just talked about Jacob Chikrin. And listen, the rumors have always been out there about, you know, Chikrin with Florida. Chikrin in I don't think Anaheim. they have. Chikrin I don't think they St. have enough Louis. to do with Florida. Chikrin. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think that they had it last summer or uh, last mm-hmm. season. And I don't think they have it now. Um, yeah. But what happens with the Florida Panthers? Like this is this, this is a huge game for them. We all know what happened in the playoffs. I know this is early in the season, and you know Florida's nicked up. The Tampa Bay Lightning uh, are nicked up. This isn't the start that that they want. You have John Cooper wondering about the team publicly as well. How do you see both these squads today in advance of this matchup tonight? The Panthers and the Bolts. And and also it looks as if the uh, Panthers are signing Eric Stahl this afternoon. Uh, so, and I don't yes. think he's going to play tonight. I think he'll play on the weekend. But, um, you know, Florida, I, I think Kachuk has made a big impact there early. Um, you know, despite what happened last night with Calgary, uh, the, the Flames' offseason acquisitions have made a very big positive impact on them. And, uh, but I also yeah. look at, I also look at Kachuk. I think he's had, he's got the Eastern Conference hating his guts already, which is, kind of what is is there to happen i still wonder long term is florida going to be able to defend well enough you know the the thing about tampa is i they have so much respect that everybody's careful remember last year i told you on on i talked on one of our podcasts about other teams in the east started to say tampa looks tired tampa looks vulnerable like and towards the end of the season Yes, they got to within two wins of the Stanley Cup final, and that's why I think a lot of people are so careful with them. You know, the Rangers made them look slow in the opener, and we know they're still really banged up and they're still missing some key people. But I just think people are going to be wary. They're going to say they're going to be very careful of proclaiming anything with this team in terms of they're in big trouble or anything like that. I mean. I always wonder about this one because it's a big rivalry game, Jeff. Remember, they had that seven-gamer. Well, you may remember they had a seven-game series with Toronto last year, and then they they looked like they were oh, on right? the ropes. They looked, yeah, they looked like they were done, and then they wiped out Florida. Right. So I always wonder what this yeah. rivalry game is like for them. 
That's uh, one of three on the board, and a couple of biggies, as I mentioned earlier, in hockey night uh, on hockey night in Canada on Saturday. Uh, the Maple Leafs and the Jets, the Stars and the Habs. Those are seven o'clock starts. Also uh, late, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Calgary Flames. That should be a good game. Uh, Buffalo Sabres and the Vancouver Canucks. We mentioned that as well. One game tomorrow that uh, I want to go out of my way to mention as we conclude here, and I want to get your thoughts on one person specifically. Um, Nashville faces off against the Philadelphia Flyers. Yep. And in that game, the minute the, the minute the puck drops, that is David Poyle's 3,000th game as a general manager. It's incredible. Um, I opened the show by talking about siblings, right? And we talk about hockey families and him and his father, legendary managers in the game. His dad was a really good hockey player, too. Uh, when I say David Poyle, what comes to your mind? Well, I think it would be longevity. I, I don't think there's anything else that you could you, you could really say i i think that he, he, he always had so many lives if you really think about it team uh, and the other thing too is is that two like two teams right it's basically washington and nashville incredibly patient ownership yeah um he's he's yeah. gone through times when his team was expected to win time when his team came close times when they suffered terrible defeats, rebuilds, builds up. Um, if you really think about it too, the, the other thing that he, uh, you know, the, the Scott Stevens offer sheet, that's, you know, he always talks about yep. how he could do it over again. He wouldn't take the five first rounders and keep the player. But, you know, the other thing too is, remember that the Leafs wanted him as their general manager. Yeah. Remember they took a, they took a big run at David Poyle. And they made him a big offer, and he thought about it, and he said no. And, you know, the, the question I, I would think is, if he had taken that job, would he have gotten the 3,000 games? I was thinking about this this morning. Hmm. I don't want to be frivolous and just shoot off an answer because I don't know, Elliot. I don't. I don't know. I, a, I don't I mean, know the it's, answer it's, to that one. It's, 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 I don't think anybody does, but I think it's a, it's a good one to debate and discuss. Like, like, I don't think, you know, I, for example, I don't think he lasts for 20-something years in Tor- Toronto like, uh, like he has in Nashville. But, you know, it, whether it works or it doesn't work in Toronto, eventually you go somewhere else. And maybe he still is a GM because he was cut out to do it for this long. But, you know, how mm. different is the path, I guess, is the... And maybe he's, he's dealing with me and you all the time, and he says, screw it, I want to go into retirement. I don't want to talk to people like this anymore. <laughs> uh, wouldn't be the first time media has chased someone uh, <laughs> out of the game from Toronto. The, th- the thing about him, too, is as much as, you know, there's the reputation... Like, he's a very thorough general... Like, this is the, the reputation that I believe he's carved out. He's very thorough. He takes his time with things. But when he makes up his mind, he's not afraid to pull the trigger on huge deals. No, he's not like afraid. Massive, not afraid. massive. But as people have told me, he does take his time. He doesn't yeah. rush into things. But when he makes up his mind, like, that's it. And the deals happen. Okay, who's uh, okay your next we got to hustle. Uh, who's, your ne- who's your next guy? Steve Valakat. Steve Valakat. Steve Valakat. Okay, he, he, he can wait two minutes. I got a question for you. Uh, what did oh, you think geez. of that What's review up? last night? What did you think of that review last night in Toronto? 
uh, Sagan. Marner I think they got the call. Goal. I think I, th- I think I think they got the I think they got the call right. I think uh, 100% now, I agree they got with the call you. right. I agree with you on this, but here's the thing: I was having a really good exchange this morning with a general manager, and it made me really think about it. And and that is that the NHL says, and I think quite rightly, they say, don't have us make hope calls on review. We only want to overturn if it's egregious. And a GM said to me last night, I was really torn on that one because I don't think it's egregious. However, and this is the part I really agree with, if you eliminate that goal, you can't have battling in front of the net. Because basically that's what that was. Mm-hmm. Like Sagan was not pushing Marner into the goalie. He was battling to get space or battling to get closer or whatever. Correct. He was battling, you know. And he said that he like he was watching Dubas's reaction and you could see how stressed out and annoyed Dubas was. And not that I, you know, anyone could no. blame him, but he said that he he agreed he agreed that that was not an egregious call, but it, but he felt and I felt I agreed with him that that had to be a goal because if it wasn't you can't have battles in front of the net. You just can't. Mm-hmm. I, th- so I, I think curious the, to hear the tough your part opinion. about it too. It, the, 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 the tough part about it too, and I, I want to get to, to Valakit here. The, the tough part about it is, is it wasn't direct contact. It was more off to the side. Like there was a whole lot of gray about this call. Like if it was, you know, from the front, Marner pushes Sagan into, into Samson off. Okay. Well then that becomes, that becomes an, ob- that becomes an obvious one. But I'm with you. I think we still like the battles in front. Um, there are going to be gray areas to it, but I had about zero problem with that one getting overturned and that goal counting. I was totally fine with that one. Yeah, I'm with you, but uh, like I said, they say they don't want hope calls. They only want to overturn egregious ones. And I don't know if that fit the mm. qualifications of egregious. However, I was worried that if that one was disallowed, there would be no pushing and shoving in front of them, like none at all. Because because then the conversation turns to if this then that, like yeah. you wonder what follows out of that. If the logic, if this logic applies here, does this logic apply elsewhere, and where does that lead us to? Uh, okay, got to hustle. Steve Valakett standing by from uh, Clearsight Analytics time. Rangers analyst. Thanks, Ridge.